Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. On this highway, and God was able to flow through them as uh, their vessel being clean, where he could minister at a greater level. And so it brought us to a story that Pastor Caldwell has told us for years. I would hear Pastor Caldwell tell this story in the pulpit, in in sermons that I would listen to uh, that he had recorded in earlier times. And then there would even be times that we would be having dinner or lunch. I remember even one time we were at a layover at an airport and he would tell this story. He would tell the story and then just leave you with it. He would tell you the story and then you would be wondering, what, what the, um, where does that fit? How is that applicable to my life? And so the more he told it, the more I listened. And the more I would begin to inquire, Lord, what do you want me to get out of this? There's nuggets of wisdom in this story. And this is the story. He said that when Oral Roberts began the fellowship, the ministerial fellowship, IFCM, International, ICFM, International Christian Faith Ministers. He said he called a group of ministers from all across the United States and he, would bring, he brought them together and he said, the Lord has dealt with me to start this ministerial fellowship and I want your input. Well, Lester Summerall was there. He had gone around the table and when the conversation came to Lester Summerall, Lester Summerall said, I think it will be good if you can keep it clean. And he said, he looked at Frida Lindsay and he said, Frida, tell him. And so Frida Lindsay, who was married to Gordon Lindsay, they are the ones who started Christ for the Nations. Before that, they had a ministerial fellowship during the time of the healing crusades and the healing revival in the 50s that swept across America, and they started a ministerial fellowship for the Voice of Healing Ministers. And in that fellowship, they would gather together to pray And she said, when the men were coming together to pray, when the men and women were coming together to pray, they would seek God, they would set themselves aside, they would would yield themselves in prayer and in unity for the power of God to move, and God was moving miraculously. If you've ever heard any of the testimonies of people who were healed during these Voice of Healing revivals and the different uh, tent meetings that took place in uh, all different parts of the United States, she said as long as they were coming together and seeking God, God was ministering, but then somebody put a television in the break room, and when they put a television in the break room, they would pray shorter so that they could go down and watch the wrestling matches, and she said the prayer time got shorter and shorter and less less involved, less interest in the prayer time and more interest in the wrestling matches. And then Pastor Caldwell would just leave us with that, with the wrestling matches. And so in 2015, he had told us this story over dinner before he was to be ministering the next day. And we were there in in the, the place and we had met with he and Sister Jeannie before uh, that evening in the hotel restaurant. And then we went to to bed that evening, and when pastor got up and began to pray, the Lord began to speak to him, and I'm going to read to you what the Lord said to Pastor Steele on November the 6th, 2015. The Lord said, when I say don't get caught watching the wrestling match, I'm not referring to sin. What I am referring to is a slipping into a carnality which will cost the moving of the Spirit. This is not necessarily sin, but it will desensitize to the point that the Holy Spirit can no longer move that individual or that body. 
talking about the church, the church family. The Holy Spirit can no longer move that individual or that body in the direction he desires as quickly or as powerfully as needed. Our coming together is not just about what we receive out of the service. Praise God, each of us do have a deposit to be received in every service, but that's not the entirety of our purpose of coming together. When we come together, we are joining together in his name, and he is here in the midst of us. In Jesus' name, we gather. And when we are gathered, he is here, and he is able to minister, and he is able to say some things, and he is able to move us in uh, the flow that he desires for us. And so we want to be a church family, a body of believers that are, are quick to respond when the Holy Spirit moves our service or moves us in a, a specific way or a flow. It says in, in this that the Holy Spirit said to pastor, he said, before the wrestling matches, they prayed for the power and the power always came. After the wrestling matches, they were content to live off a mere residue of what they had once had and the power waned. The power of the Holy Spirit can only flow through any vessel to the point that the vessel opens up and allows that flow. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or that we could think. But it's according to the power that works in us. He can't flow through us without our participation, without our yielding, without our separation, without our being set apart for his purposes. So the power of the Holy Spirit can only flow through us to the point that we open up and allow that flow. The wider the vessel, the easier the flow. Or we could say the more set apart the vessel, the easier the flow. Carnality limits the flow. It limits the sensitivity of the individual to the promptings and leadings of the Holy Spirit. What we are seeing in the church today is simply carnality. Too many are watching the wrestling matches instead of tuning their spirit into what I am saying. In the days of the voice of healing, I never stopped speaking, but many of them stopped hearing because carnality dulls the hearing. In order to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, any layers must be stripped away. And he showed pastor a piece of furniture that had been painted numerous times. And to get that furniture back to the state where it was beautiful. I remember that my, my stepmother had gone to East Tennessee and found a flea market way, way back years in the, in the 80s. She found a flea market and she found this old long table and the six chairs and that looked horrid. It looked horrid. It had been in someone's barn or something. It was dirty. It was, it was nasty. All of the, 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 the seat cover had, was ripped and old. She took it and had it stripped of all of the paint that had been put on it, cleaned up, and it was the most beautiful antique dining set I had ever seen. Intricate, carved, but none of that was noticeable until all of those layers were stripped away. And that's what he's talking about in the carnality. He said, any layers must be stripped away. Think of layers of paint on a nice wood table. In order to see the beauty, the paint must be stripped off layer by layer. This is why many in the voice of healing were very great and powerful in the beginning, and now no one remembers them. There was no depth they never attained deeper levels. They never stripped off the layers so they could hear. It is vital that you hear. Don't be dumbed down. Stay where you can hear. And then the Holy Spirit said, the cost is not greater than the reward. In other words, it's worth everything that you invest to be able to be 
sensitive to the Spirit of God and to be used by the Spirit of God. And again, we're not talking about denominational regulations and holiness from a denominational traditional sense. It's not rules, it's regulations. It's a law, it is a living in the light of God's word. It is living in the light of the word of God, letting the word of God dictate my attitudes, letting the word of God dictate my responses, letting the word of God be the standard for what is coming out of my mouth, what is going into my ears, what is going into my mind, that the Word of God is the standard by which I live and the light of the Word is the the illumination to every perception that I have. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about walking in the Spirit. That's what we're talking about, walking in the Spirit. Not giving in to the desires of the flesh. Not living by the dictates of natural human thinking. When the apostle uh, was dealing with the immaturity, when the writer of Hebrews, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 3, he said, I should be able to speak to you at a whole different level, but you have need of milk instead of meat. I'm going to have to give you milk instead of meat. Right? Because they were not, he said, you are acting like mere unchanged men, the Amplified said. People who hadn't even been, they were changed, they were born again, but they weren't walking out of their born again ability. They weren't walking out of their spirit. They were still living by the natural dictates of what their flesh, if their flesh said, go get the last word in, they obeyed it. If their flesh said, don't let them talk to you that way, get an attitude and stand up for yourself and go in there and give them a piece of your mind. Instead of obeying their prompting of their spirit that said, give a soft answer that turns away wrath. Instead, they just did what the flesh was poking them to do. They were, their flesh had the remote control and was pressing all the buttons. We don't want to live that way. We want to take the remote control that we used to live by. We are no longer programmed to that remote control. The enemy can't press my buttons and get me to respond the way I used to respond. I have a whole new programming. I've been recalibrated. Amen? And now I'm in tune with what the Spirit of God is prompting me to do, what the Word of God has set as the standard for my life. And so that's what we're talking about. I want to look at 1 John chapter 3 and go a step further tonight. And we're going to talk about clearing the conscience. Because every believer needs to know how to clear the conscience. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 19 says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. That's what we want. We want our hearts assured in our relationship with God, in every conversation that we have with him, in every approach that we take to him, we want to come with an assurance. We want our hearts to be assured before God. And if they aren't, we need to confront that. It says in verse 20, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I want to talk about the word condemn. Because it's not the word condemn that we would use, for instance, when it says, uh, uh, he that believeth not, he's condemned. It's not, it's not an execution of judgment condemnation. This is an interesting word. From the Vines New Testament Dictionary, it says, to know something against or to know by experience. So we're not talking about condemnation such as the final condemnation or an execution of judgment. We are talking about if my heart knows something against me. Because, you know, you know if you're lying. Nobody else could know, but you would know. And you need to recognize that your heart is telling you, You don't mean that. 
Let's say, for instance, that somebody says, hey, are you going to come to Jerry Savelle's meeting? He's going to be here on May the 19th. And you said, I'm going to try to come, but in your heart, not you, some other person. This other person said, this other person says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to try to be there. But they know they're not going to come. They know they've already made other plans or they, whatever. But they're saying it, but they don't believe it. What they're doing, their heart is standing up saying, you don't mean that. You don't mean that. And they, their heart knows something against them. Hallelujah. So it says, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. God knows it too. Everybody else in the room might not know it. You know it and God knows it. If our heart knows something against us, God knows it too. He's greater than our heart. He knows more about what our motive is than we do. He knows more about what our real attitude is than we do. He knows more about what we're really not saying when we're saying what we're saying than we do. And so he knows our heart. And if we have something in our heart that is is identifying that there's an issue, we don't have the assurance that we talked about in the previous verse. If we, if we have something in our heart where our heart knows something against us, then we need to go deal with that. We need to go deal with that. He said, Be, beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then what do we have? We have confidence with God. Now, this is why we spend a lot of time talking about our in Christ position. Because a lot of people, it's not that their heart knows something against them. It's that they're lacking knowledge of who they are. And so they believe the the feeling of shame. They believe that I'm really not righteous because I was a really bad sinner. And they're basing that belief on how they feel. And the enemy will energize that. And he'll say, you were. Yes, you were. And, and that's why God's not hearing you, and that's why your answer's not coming, and that's why it's not working. So in that case, it's not that there is actually something in that person's heart. It can be that they have not yet taken the, the, the step of building their faith. The most important thing for your faith is not a house or a car or money or even healing. The most important thing is your righteousness. The righteousness which is of faith, Romans chapter 10 says. If you don't take your faith and build your standing with God and a confidence in it, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because I believe that when Jesus hung on the cross, he hung on the cross in my place. I believe that when he was striped on his back, he was striped for my healing. I believe that the chastisement necessary to obtain my peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes, I'm healed. And by his sacrifice, I'm free from sin. If I don't have that built into me with faith, then all that is supposed to work because of righteousness won't work. And I can be like, oh, God, I really need it. Oh, God, I wish you would do it. Oh, God, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. But if, I don't ha- if I'm not in a position of, of strength in my righteousness, if I'm not convinced of who I am in Christ, the enemy will be able to, con- to steal and to kill and to destroy. Why? Because faith is a shield. And righteousness is a breastplate. So that's one of the most important things. And if, we, if we're going to build our faith, we should start there. Building my faith in who I am in Christ and why I'm righteous. I'm not righteous because I do everything right. I'm righteous because Jesus did everything right. I'm righteous because of his sacrifice. I'm righteous because he paid the price necessary. to. He became sin to make me righteous. So I've got, that doesn't come by feeling. You're never going to identify righteousness by feeling it. There's nowhere you can look and say, do I feel righteous today? I don't feel righteous. That's like looking and saying, do you feel married today? What does married feel like? 
There is definitely the romance and the, all of the warm fuzzies that come because we're in love, but that does not identify that I'm married. I'm married because we cut covenant. I'm married because we, we join together as one in, in the holy matrimony. And so I'm married even if I don't feel married. And I'm righteous even if I don't feel righteous because he became sin for me and I believe it. My faith in the righteousness connects me to all the benefits of the righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So a lot of times it's not that someone has done something, it's that they lack knowledge of who they are. So I want to identify that first because if we don't recognize that this is When we're talking about this situation, we're not talking about a person who is constantly saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That person hasn't identified themselves with the proper documents. I I, I was a sinner, but I died to sin. I I have a death certificate. Galatians 2.20 is my death certificate. I am crucified with Christ. I have a burial plot. It was my baptism waters. Romans chapter 6 says I was baptized with him into his death. I was buried with him in baptism. And I have also been resurrected from that dead condition. I'm not dead anymore. I have a death certificate, but I have a new birth certificate too. I have a new birth certificate. I have been resurrected resurrected into the newness of life, Romans chapter 6. And Ephesians chapter 2 goes even a step further. Not only am I resurrected, but I have a new address. You know, when I go to get my driver's license, when I moved, I had to take in proof of residence. And you've got to have your proof of residence. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 is my proof that I have moved to a new address. I am seated together with Christ in heavenly places. I have documents to prove it all. Galatians 2.20, Romans chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 2. I can take all my documents in and prove and get my new identification. Hallelujah. That faith is necessary before I can apply this in a situation. It's because a lot of times people get confused and they, they throw in the towel and they quit with their relationship with God because the shame and the condemnation that the enemy is bringing against them, not this knowing of your heart, but the actual sense of hopelessness that the enemy brings when he brings condemnation. That hopelessness makes people give up with their walk with God and they say, I'm just such a bad Christian. I'm just a failure at this because they don't have their documents. They can't prove their identity. They don't know who they are in Christ. So we've got to establish who we are. And now we're dealing with our clear conscience. We're talking about this highway of holiness and how do we walk on this highway because there are times when we're not going to do everything right. There are times that we we may fall short. We might miss the mark. We might sin and need to repent. Amen? So here's, here's our, our clue. If we don't have an assurance in our heart, if our heart knows something against us, then we need to deal with that. Because what we're aiming for is the confidence with God. If our heart does not condemn us or if our heart doesn't have evidence against us, then we will have confidence toward God. Every believer needs to maintain that confidence. We are not to walk into the presence of God without this assurance. If we don't have it, get it. If we don't have it, we need to repent and get back in the position that we can be in his presence Confident in who we are in him. Confident in his love for us. Confident in where we stand with him. Hallelujah. So the word condemn in this verse does not mean 
an execution of judgment against us or a condemnation like the enemy would use. It means if you know in your heart that you've got an issue, you need to deal with it. So let's talk about the heart for a moment. Proverbs chapter 20. Why is this so important? Because according to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. We use candles to make the room smell good. So it doesn't have the same effect as it would if we said the spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord, the light fixture. If we want to turn the lights on in the room, we have, we have light bulbs. We have lights that bring illumination and bring light into the room. So the spirit of man is where God's going to enlighten us. He needs to be able to communicate with our spirit. He needs to have this clear communication because this is how he's going to lead us. This is how he's going to instruct us. This is how he's going to reveal things to us. The knowing, the prompting, the, the, uh, uh, the light comes to our spirit, not our mind. God is not interested in leading you by your mind. You need to renew it so it, uh, it cooperates with what he puts in your spirit. The renewing of the mind is so that the mind doesn't talk me out of doing what God's telling me to do in my heart. God's going to talk to me here. He's not going to talk to me here. If we're demanding things that we can see, if we're demanding signs, if we're demanding confirmations, we're not walking in faith and we're limiting what God can do. God's most effective most desired communication is the inward witness. God wants to witness with our spirit. He said in Romans chapter 8, the most important thing you will ever know is that you're a child of God. And how does that come? The spirit of God witnesses by his spirit. He witnesses to us that we are children of God. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, the most important thing we're ever going to know, God chooses to bring it in a way that cannot be manipulated by the enemy or by, by other people even. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God reveals it, he witnesses it, he confirms it in our spirit. Not our mind, not our emotions, not our feelings, not by three cars with, with uh, their headlights on driving by our house. He witnesses to our spirit by his spirit. That's how he wants to deal with us concerning everything. Not limiting him to that, but that's God's preferred method of communication with his his children. He witnesses with our spirit by the Holy Spirit. So we need our spirit to be clear, to hear from God. We need our spirit to be open. We need our conscience to be clear. Look at Romans chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So not only does the Spirit bear witness with my spirit, but He will use my conscience to confirm. Well, that goes back to what we were reading in 1 John. If there's nothing in my heart standing against that, I will have confidence with God. My heart will be assured. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we are, our objective that we're looking for in our walk with God, that we're maintaining that confidence in his presence, that we're maintaining that assurance in the presence of God. If our heart has something in it, that scratching like that woman described it, whenever she would say, I hate my mother-in-law, her heart was telling her different. Her heart was saying, you don't believe that. You might be mad at her. You might be aggravated with her. You might not gel with her from your personality to her personality. 
but the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. That's what the Spirit was saying on the inside of her. And, and her conscience, that conscience is, is when we are renewing our mind and feeding on the Word of God, our conscience should be safe to follow. But we've got to have this assurance. We've got to be looking, is there something in me that knows I'm not right about that? Is there something in me? Because God wants to bear witness. What did he say here? My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In our heart. And so the conscience isn't the mind. The conscience is the voice of my spirit. If you ever heard, felt like you, you were thinking, but you heard it in your heart, and you heard like yourself saying it, that's your conscience speaking to you. Like, you, like something told me. Well, the Holy Spirit, he's going to speak to you in your heart. Amen? And your conscience will pick up and communicate with the Spirit of God. So we want to have that clear. We don't want anything standing in the way of our our interaction with him. The Amplified said of Romans 9.1, my conscience enlightened and prompted by the Holy Spirit bears me witness. My conscience enlightened and prompted by the Holy Spirit. You know, we're not praying to dock time. We don't pray like we're, we're, we're clocking in. Okay, I, I got my prayer time in. I clocked in, I clocked out, got my hour. We're not trying to, to fulfill a certain check, checking of the box. Okay, I prayed today. We're, we're learning how to communicate with God. We're in his presence so that he can witness to us and that we can communicate to him and we can learn to recognize how he leads us and how he speaks to us and how he prompts us. And the more time that we are engaging with him in prayer, the more that we will be certain that it was the spirit of God who spoke to me in that moment when it was turn right now or stop the car at that next red light or whatever the case may be that he prompts you because you've already been listening to him. You've already been learning his voice. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. 1 Timothy 1, verse 19. This is not something you can, you can drive through and get. Not something you can microwave it and get. It's going to take time interacting with God. It's going to take time in his presence, time in his word. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19 says, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Can I see the Amplified on the screen as well? The Amplified of verse 19 says, Holding fast to faith that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence. Is that what we saw in 1 John 3? We want assurance. We want that confidence with God. If our heart doesn't speak against us, if our heart doesn't say, mm, you know that's not right. We want that confidence. And it says this, having a good, clear conscience by rejecting and thrusting from them their conscience some individuals have made shipwreck of their faith because they rejected and thrust away from them what the Holy Spirit was trying. It wasn't, it wasn't dramatic. Well, if it was God, it would have been thunderous. If it was God, it would have been like lightning bolts. If it was God, it would have been dramatic. No. A lot of people are looking for the spectacular and they miss the supernatural. They, they want it to be so, so dramatic that they, the, it's the promptings. In the writing, writers of the Bible, it says, holy men of God wrote the scriptures as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. Luke said, it seemed good to me to write this account. It seemed good. It wasn't dramatic. It wasn't lightning bolts. It seemed good. 
that prompting, that, that knowing in their conscience, that, that witnessing in their conscience. That's why we don't want to reject and thrust away if our heart is speaking against us. If we know there's something in our heart, don't harden ourselves to it. Don't override it. Don't, don't uh, um, close your ears to that. Oh, that's nothing. We want to say, wait a minute. I'm going to respond to that. I want there to be confidence in my walk with God. I want to know, I want to have that assurance. So, Lord, I, I repent for that. I, I want to deal with that. I want to ad- address that, that I have in my heart. So we don't want to reject or thrust away. We want a clear conscience. We want a confidence of the heart so that we do not have what we see in Hebrews 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can I pray for you? Would you mind if I just prayed for you? You don't even have to get up. I'll come back if that's okay. Hallelujah. I just have this in my heart, and you just take this and do with it what you will. But this is just what I had in my heart to, to, to pray for you. For the light of God to open up upon the path. Father, I pray for every step. Father, that there would be a confidence in the step And the decision, Lord, would not be uncertain, but that you would bring a a leading and that you would bring a prompting so that the decisions for the days ahead and for the uh, future events would be orchestrated as you prompt and as you lead and as you bring light to situations that have before been uncertain or unknown, that there would be understanding and that there would be clarity. Lord, I pray for clarity in every one of those situations. And I'll just, I'll just encourage you with this. Don't feel under pressure if you don't have all of the, all of the information about a situation to do it because you've got to hurry up and do it now. Don't feel under pressure to do that. It'll wait until you have peace. Peace is a protection for you. Find that peace and don't move without it. And I just just had that from the Lord. I believe God's going to bring that peace to clarity for you. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. I'm going to pray for you too, Jasmine. Come here, honey. Hallelujah. I heard you got prayed for last week, and you gave me your testimony today. But there's some steps for you too. There's some steps for you too. And they are are steps that are going to bring an establishment for you. There's a stability that you desire, and that desire is from God. And God is the one who is going to execute that stability for your life. No more up and down. No more in and out. No more, no more uncertainty for the areas of your life uh, of provision, of direction. I want you to see stability that you've never had, but you're going to see it, and then you'll walk in it. You're going to see it in your spirit. You're going to see it in the word. You're going to see it in the spirit, and then you're going to walk in it. Father, in the name of Jesus, Every step established, established on your word, established on your word. Father, give her a sensitivity to your leading that will help her, a sensitivity to your leading that will identify, that will identify and confirm. Lord, confirmation, confirmation in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to pray for your health. Come here. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 
I call the wholeness, the restoration, the strength, the vigor, and the vitality. Father, the wisdom necessary to experience all of that, let it unfold. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> yes, that's strength. That's strength. That's spiritual strength from the inside out, from your spirit to your physical body, strengthening, strengthening, strengthening. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's going to be wisdom too. Don't override it, Kathleen. Don't override it. Even if it, if it calls for you to do something out of your comfort zone, follow. Follow it. Follow it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7. Glory to God. We want our conscience clear because this is where the Holy Spirit's leading us. This is where he's going to identify things that we need to do, changes we need to make, directions that we need to take. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says today... If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation, in the day of the temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do err in their heart. What did he say? Don't harden your heart. Where was their error? In their heart. And the error was the word came and they hardened their heart to it. Instead of being sensitive, this is where the Holy Spirit's leading us in the heart. And when the word comes, we don't want to harden ourselves to it. We don't want to reject it. We don't want to thrust it away. We don't want to say, that can't be God. We want to stop. We want to investigate. We want to open our, Lord, is that you? Are you telling me to do that? I'm going to obey you. Amen? He said they erred in their heart. They heard God's voice, but their response was incorrect. He said, don't be like they were. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. They heard and responded by rejecting what they heard. Verse 10, it says, this was their error. It was a heart response error. And in that, that responding, I'll tell you, the Lord is merciful. He's not hard. And, and if we miss it the first time, he'll give us another opportunity. He's, he's interested in training us to respond to him. He's interested in teaching us that it is him and how to respond and the better students we are, <laughs> the better we are at, at responding to him and asking, is that you? Or, or learning to ask the right questions. Learning to ask the right questions. And I'll tell you again the story. I've told you numerous times, but it bears repeating. There was in Tulsa uh, a, a, a scheme going around. It looked like a good investment financially. And a lot of the people that Keith Moore knew 
He was attending Rhema at the time. I think he may have even been a part of the teaching team there. He said a lot of the people he respected, they were investing in this opportunity. And so I made an appointment. I withdrew the money from my bank, and I was going to meet with that person to give them my money. And that morning, I realized I hadn't inquired of the Lord. I hadn't consulted him. I had not acknowledged him. The Bible says, acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways, and he will direct your paths. The word direct means to straighten or unbend. If we don't acknowledge him, he is not at liberty to straighten the bent path, to straighten the crooked path. But if we'll acknowledge him, he'll straighten it so that we don't end up in error. And so that morning, Keith Moore said, Lord, I haven't asked you, what do you think about this investment? And the Lord said, I have not given you any reason to trust that person. He said, I put my money back in the bank. (laughs) I canceled the appointment because, and then some months later, it came out all the people had lost their investments. But if he had not stopped that morning and inquired, the Holy Spirit is not uh, rude He's not going to to nosy up in your business if he's not invited. That's why we've got to learn to ask the right questions. We've got to engage with him. We've got to encounter him. They heard, and yet they rejected what they heard. They erred in their heart. Verse 11, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And this is not God having an anger moment. It's not God having a fit. Well, just be that way then. No, it was he gave them time after time after time after time to know that he was faithful, to know that his intent was right, that he was their provider, that he was their their protector. He gave them opportunity to trust in him. He had never given them any reason not to trust him, and yet they refused to trust him. And so he could not take them in. He said, they cannot enter into my rest. Verse 12, this is a New Testament warning. Take heed, brethren. Take heed, brethren. Pay attention to this, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Not talking about a person being a sinner. Talking about a brethren, brother, a believer, Don't let there be in you a hardened heart, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. If we we thrust away our conscience, then it's it's easy to, to follow that path that leads a person to sin. Most, most believers don't just sin overnight. A person who has once been walking in the light that goes over into an area of the flesh, it happens step by step. It hap- happens in increments, but it doesn't have to happen to you. It doesn't have to happen to me. I can keep my heart clean before God. I can keep my heart clear before God. I can keep my heart uh, sensitive to his promptings by giving his, his word place in my life, by giving his spirit the honor in my life. So let's, let's, let's bring this home with our answer. We've got to be skilled in repentance. Long as we're walking in this flesh, we need to be skilled in repentance. That's faith. That's faith. Amen? Repentance is not what a lot of people think it is, though. Because they think repentance is crying. They think repentance is being sad. But you can be sad and you can cry and not repent. You can make it look like you're repenting. And people can say, whoa, they were crying. They were at the altar. They were crying. But then they go out and do what they were doing before. They haven't repented. The word repent means to think differently or reconsider to change one's mind or purpose. The actual root of the word means a new knowledge, a knowing after, 
a new knowledge, perception, or understanding that comes to us after our previous understanding. So repentance, it, 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 another definition says to turn and go completely in the other direction. If I'm going in this direction and I realize this is wrong, this is sin, or this is error, this is unbelief, this is criticism, this is, this is the flesh... Because I'm not just I'm not just turning away from sin. I'm turning away from the flesh. I don't want carnality because carnality will lead me to sin. So I don't even want to flirt with it. I don't even want to want to allow that to have. Uh, I told you this morning, the most miserable time of my Christian life was when I was carnal, because I was too saved to enjoy sinning anymore. You try to sin and you, it's not even any fun anymore. It's like, I can't do that anymore. But I wasn't walking in, an, in enough light of the word. I wasn't yielding to the word enough to enjoy the liberty and the freedom that was mine in Christ. I was carnal and I had all of the, the available benefits in Christ, but they weren't manifest. Why? Because of my carnality. And my marriage changed when we grew up. When we weren't spiritually immature anymore and given into our flesh and got to have the last word and got to be right and got to answer you because you are, oh, no, you don't. And when the pride wasn't there, when the flesh wasn't there, marriage became good. That's how you get a marriage made in heaven. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the repentance then is not just about sin. It's about the flesh too. If I find myself in that direction, I haven't repented until I've turned to go in another direction. Now I've repented. I'm no longer in that direction. I have a new knowledge that caused a new behavior. I have a new, a new knowing after that came to me, a new perception that caused me to turn. Let's look at the purpose of John the Baptist for just a minute in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, verse 2, and I'm going to ask for the amplified. Matthew 3, I'm going to read 2 and 3. The ministry of John the Baptist was to compel people to do what? Repent. Matthew 3, 2, and saying repent, I'm looking at the amplified, think differently, change your mind. Regretting your sins and changing your conduct. Not about tears, not about sadness, not about beating myself up. It's about change. It's about a change not only in my behavior, but a change that comes from within that will affect my behavior. So when we're talking about holiness, people who try to keep holiness just by following certain uh, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this are missing the flow that's available in Christ to live holy out of just walking in the spirit. It's not a drudgery. It's not hard. It's living out of my spirit. And in that flow, there's joy. And in that flow, there's peace. And in that flow, there's ease and there's rest because I'm not fighting with my flesh I'm living out of my spirit. Walk in the spirit, and by default, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't even have to fight your flesh. If, if we're, oh, my flesh, my flesh, oh, your flesh, your flesh. That person is going to be battling and in fear of their flesh all the time. How about just walk in the spirit? Live by the spirit. Yield to the spirit of God on the inside of you. Let the Spirit prompt you. Let the Spirit prompt you to give a soft answer that turns away wrath. Let the Spirit prompt you to be kind one to another. Let the Spirit prompt you to forgive anyone who has done anything against you. Let the Spirit prompt you. If 1 Corinthians 13 is living on the inside of you, it'll prompt you. If Proverbs 31 is living on the inside of you, 
It will prompt you. If Ephesians, Colossians, if the word is living on the inside of you, when you begin to open your mouth and respond in a way that is out of the flesh, right here, your heart, your heart will say, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. That's not 1 Corinthians 13. When you want to bring up, hey, that's the third time you did that to me. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Love does not take into account a suffered wrong. Why are you counting that? How many times have you counted what they've done to you? Love doesn't count it, right? So, so the word living in you is prompting you and you're responding. Now you're walking in the spirit. It's not a battle with my flesh. It's just a constant focus on living out of my spirit. So he says the, the purpose of repentance is this change. And then verse 3, this is he who was mentioned by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, shouting in the desert, prepare the road for the Lord. Repentance prepares the way of the Lord in your life. Repentance is your greatest gift. Why? Because we, we, we need it. We're not perfect. There are times that we err. And, and repentance should be, we should be quick to repent, the Bible says. Repentance, if, if people have a problem repenting, it's usually pride, which is the flesh anyway. Well, I don't want to go repent to them. I remember when, when uh, Pastor and I were first married, and I said it this morning, he, he had anger, which was what he was dealing with. But I got offended, and if, if we argued, I was mad for days, and I made him pay for days. Like, you know, I wouldn't talk to him. I would just give him one-word answers and things like that. And I remember the day that we had had an argument, and I was, I was all puffed up with my, my, you know, I'm sitting over there being quiet, not looking at him, not talking to him, got my, got my glare, you know, I'm, 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 I'm mad. And he, and, and you know what? I started it. I was wrong. It was all my fault, but I'm mad. And I'm holding on. I'm, I'm making him pay for this argument, right? He comes over and gets down on his knees in front of me and takes me by the hand. And I'm pulling my hands away. I'm pulling my hands away. Oh, don't you touch my hand. He's, no, no, no. He's like, no, no. And he's pulling my hands to him. And he says, forgive me. And he makes me look him in the eyes, forgive me. And right then, here's my heart condemning me. I knew it was my fault. The whole argument, I started it. I would not shut up. I just had to follow him room to room. And right here, I'm like, you're repenting. You're asking me to forgive you, and it's my fault. And it was, it was like every wall just fell. Here he is. He goes, I don't care. I don't care. Forgive me. And I'm like, well, it's my fault. He said, no, 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 no. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I reacted that way. I'm sorry. And he began to repent to me. And oh my goodness. Every wall fell. All that hardness. All that, that self-preservation mode that I would always get into. It just fell. Why? Because somebody acted out of the spirit. Somebody took the highway. He took the highway, and it brought our whole family out of that. It, it, brought, it brought our marriage to another place. That was a breaking point. That was a breaking point that, that launched us into the marriage that we have today, a marriage made in heaven, because he was willing to say, it doesn't matter. I'm not here to say right or wrong. I'm not here. What matters to me is that there's peace between us. Forgive me. And that acting out of the Spirit taken the highway, it, it prepared the way of the Lord for our life. So repentance prepares the way of the Lord for your life. And then it says this, make his highway straight, level, direct. Repentance prepares the way of the Lord for your life and makes his paths straight before your feet. When there's something in your heart that you know is standing between you and your assurance with God and you correct it, 
You repent for it. You say, Lord, forgive me for that bad attitude. Forgive me for holding that unforgiveness. Forgive me for being critical of that person. Lord, I repent. Now, now you can see where to go. Amen. Now the light's on your path. Before that, it was dark. Why? Because there was unforgiveness in the way. If you've ever driven in Texas, it's not always easy to get on the highway. Sometimes the frontage road is a mile. They got the longest frontage roads I've ever seen. Like you're trying to get on the highway and you're on the frontage road for five minutes before the highway exit shows up. And a lot of people are trying to get on the highway, but they're missing it because they've got to take the frontage road of forgiveness to get on the highway. They've got to take the frontage road of repentance to get on the highway. Hallelujah. That's what we want. We want to be quick to repent. And repent is not just, it's not about crying. You might cry, but the, it, but the most important thing is that you've turned. You've made the change. You're no longer acting that way. You're no longer doing that. You've, you've turned from that way and gone in a different direction. Repentance prepares the way of the Lord in your life and makes his paths straight before your feet. We'll pick up again in times to come. Did you receive?